0: As we begin together today, I do have a couple of quick announcements that I want to make. They're going to be on the screen behind me. Um, This Thursday night at 6 o'clock, the ladies are going to have a game night. It's going to be held out here in the atrium, so any lady of any age is welcome to attend that time. I know they have a lot of fun doing that. Also, next Sunday evening, March 3rd, at 6 o'clock, or 6.30, I'm sorry, here in the um, sanctuary, we're going to be having a digital event. This is designed for parents and families, talking about creating a digital strategy for inside your home. And uh, we talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, We're going to hear more about it, but, you know, with the advent of cell phones and everything, You know, my granddaughter knows how to use my cell phone better than I do. Um, So creating a digital strategy for inside your home to help protect your family, but also to help um, challenge you to use it to the benefits, not to the negatives. Also, I want to talk to you about a couple of mission trips that are coming up. We um, just began to tease this a couple of months ago. We're going to be going back to Arizona in July. And so uh, the dates of the July trip are the 13th through the 20th. Um, If you would be interested in doing this trip, you need to see Lori Keeney. Lori, raise your hand. Stand up. Um, Let her know that you would be interested in this trip. It is a wonderful trip. You get to go out there and work with um, Winslow Christian School and the Well um, Christian Church. These are two missions that we support and have direct links here at Faith Christian Church with. So please think about that. In October, we also have another missions trip. We're going to be going back to Cuba for the first time since right before COVID. Uh, We're heading back down there. Um, It is going to be October 4th through the 10th. That is a Thursday through a Wednesday. So we would love to have you. There's going to be different um, events going on. We're going to be doing some teaching in the churches. But we're also going to be doing a medical aspect of this time. So in the coming weeks, you're going to hear we're going to begin collecting some things for us to take to Cuba with us. Um, Very simple things that we don't think about. Things like Tylenol and Band-Aids and Neosporin and reading glasses and things of that nature that we can get readily available, but they don't have aspects to. So we would love to have you go. I will let you know on the Cuba trip, we are going to be limited to 12 people. So if you are interested in that trip, see me as soon as possible because that trip is beginning to fill up and we would love to have you on that trip. So those are my announcements. Um, Please look at the announcement slide, watch our website, and understand that there are things going on all of the time here at Faith Christian Church that we would like you to be a part of. Well, I'm going to continue our sermon series and mine. In this topic today, we come face-to-face with the reality of grief. For some, death and dying is that taboo subject that we never talk about. For others, you speak freely about the subject of death and dying. Yet for some, the only time you have come face-to-face with that discussion is when you're in the midst of grief. I have um, worked in this area for many years, actually probably all of my career. I have, I have done something in the area of grief work, whether working in a hospital or working with hospice or now working at a funeral home. I understand what um, the struggle is with people. But I've often been asked this question, what happens when we die? Well, in reality, I think there are two parts to that question. The first part is, what am I going to go through? But the second part is, where am I going to go to? The reality is, for the first part of that question, what am I going to go through? Well, we really don't have a good answer. I don't mean this in a light, um, tongue-in-cheek kind of way, but none of us have ever gone through that. We have watched people pass, but we haven't experienced it ourselves. You know, over all of these years, I have seen literally hundreds of people pass from this life into eternity. And I have noticed that there are a couple of things that happen. Some people struggle and have fear and they fight and they try to overcome death while others, they find peace and they approach death with expectation and hope. You know, I have some opinions on that that it's based on the answer to the second question of where I'm going to go. Because it's amazing to me as I have seen people in that journey, I have seen people that almost run to that time because they are ready to meet Jesus face to face. But the truth is, those that are left behind come face to face with death and with grief, and they must deal with that grief in their lives. Alan Wolfelt is, is a grief counselor that has been doing grief work for well over 40 years. I've been reading him all of my career. He recently wrote a book, and the, in, in the introduction to the book, he says these words. Someone you love died. You are struggling. You may feel torn up, strange, restless, moody, overwhelmed, disconnected with reality. Wolfelt goes on to say that in over 40 years of grief work, he said he has heard umpteen people say, I feel like I am going crazy. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I feel like I'm unhinged or I've lost all of my marbles. Then they ask that question. So, am I going crazy? Wolfelt writes, It's normal to feel crazy after significant loss. But I love this next line. But you're not going crazy in the way that you may think. What you're going through is grieving. Grief is a real issue that we face whether it's a significant loved one that was connected with us, or maybe it was a friend or acquaintance. Grief is a journey that doesn't just begin and then we have a period and then it ends. Grief is a journey that we go through waves and motions time and time again. I was sharing with somebody this week that we had a conversation with Joshua, my son, um, last week, and he was asking a question about something, and it made me begin to think of my grandparents. And as I was thinking of my grandparents, I went through a period of grief journey of thinking to myself, "I wish my grandparents were here to see my granddaughter." and to see how blessed we are. I thought to myself, I wish that my grandparents could have met my, my daughter-in-law, could have seen what my boys had become to. It's a journey that we all go through. Now, we could spend a whole sermon series talking about grief and discussing grief. And maybe that's a sermon series that we should tackle sometime But today, I want to strip all of that away. And I want to talk about something that I think is important. And that is that we remember the second part of my initial question, where we're going. You see, I believe that we can approach grief when we know where we're going with hope and expectation. And I believe that that's what God wants us to do. So if you'll forgive me for just a minute, I understand we're supposed to be talking with how to deal with grief, and there is a time for that, but there are so many layers that we would have to unpack for that. I want to talk about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and a hope that is beyond this life. The book of 2 Corinthians, I think, does a magnificent job with this. 2 Corinthians, in some ways, is a jumbled book, There's a lot of discussion about the book of 2 Corinthians. Some people wonder if Paul wrote it, and there are writers that talk about how this really isn't a Paulian-type letter, and so we need to reject that he wrote it. Some people say, well, 2 Corinthians really came before 1 Corinthians. Some people talk about how there's really a 3 Corinthians in there, and all of this kind of stuff. But the thing about 2 Corinthians that's so jumbled in my mind is the writer, and we're going to assume today that it's Paul, he jumps around from subject to subject, from topic to topic, and he gives just little momentary glimpses of things. But he begins 2 Corinthians in one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Listen to what Paul writes as he begins this letter to the church in Corinth. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of comfort, who comforts us in all of our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves has received from God. And then Paul goes to another topic. And he begins these little many- Moments of talking about topics. But in chapter 5, he comes back to this topic again. One commentator said it like this, that Paul comes to a little sidebar moment in the text. All of these things that he has talked about, he just pauses and he says... Let's have a sidebar. And the commentator says it this way. He said, and what an important sidebar it is. I believe that Paul helps us to understand that as Christ followers, when we approach death or when our loved one who is a Christ follower approaches death, Paul points out that the best is yet to come. Listen to what Paul writes here in these first few verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an internal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked, For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. Who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. I believe Paul gives us four principles about recognizing that the best is yet to come and gives us hope and and help in times of grief and struggle if we understand these things. The first thing is this, we need to remember that our present condition is becoming more and more difficult. Anybody experience that in life? Let's be honest. How many times do we wake up and we think, I didn't know that could crack? But it cracks as we move around, as we first get out of bed. Or you go to bed, feeling good, you wake up, and your back is killing you. And you think, all I have done is laid in bed all night. How could that happen? Paul says two times in the text that we live in earthly tents. The idea of a tent makes us think of several things. One is insecurity. I've told this story before, but when I graduated with my master's degree, it had been a horrendous couple of years as we went through um, with me traveling to get my master's. My uh, my family um, let me go. For days on end to Lincoln, and I was away from them. During that time, Jacob, who was two years old, broke his leg and he was in an external fictiture. We had surgery after surgery. We had Joshua while we were going through this. And so when I graduated, Natalie said, We're going to go on a camping trip as a family. That was my expression. Yay! My idea of camping is the Holiday Inn Express. We went and got a hitch put on our minivan, went and rented a pop-up trailer, and we drove to a campsite in Southern Illinois that everybody talked about, um, hanging rock campgrounds. We pulled in, we kind of looked around, there is nothing around here. So we unhitched the trailer. We decided there was some places across the river that we were to go to, and so we decided to load up and go look around. Guess what we found? Nothing. Not a thing. But as we're driving around, we noticed it kept getting darker and darker and darker out a tornado came through. Yeah, and what am I sleeping in? A pop-up camper. So we pull into the campgrounds. The first thing that we see is like a big drive trailer rolled over on its side. I thought, oh no, my pop-up is going to be an aluminum can. No, my pop-up survived. But the bathrooms that were like 100 yards from where we were, there was two feet of mud that we had to walk through to get there. Have you ever experienced camping like that? We stayed one night, loaded up the truck, and went somewhere else. Camping sometimes in a tent, we realize it can be destroyed in a moment's notice. A windstorm rain there's a lot of insecurity our earthly tent in some ways are like that our body becomes ravaged with alzheimer's cancer mental health struggles we go to the doctor thinking we're good and we come out thinking something else the insecurity of this earthly tent is all around us. But sometimes the earthly tent is also pretty uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but I don't like to sleep on the ground. I like my um, mattress that I can adjust my, um, the way my bed lays and all of those kind of things. I'm kind of a um, diva when it comes to that. I'll admit that. You know, I like the comforts of life. But camping in a tent, it's hard, it's hot, there's no air conditioning, it smells sometimes. Life can be much like that. Life gets more and more uncomfortable as time goes on. Paul said earlier, said it again in chapter 5, verse 4. He said, For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 90, verse 10. He said, My days may come to 70 years or 80 if my strength endures yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and fly away we have to realize that life is temporary and life produces increasing difficulties I have heard people refer to retirement as the golden years And you've heard the meme about that. It means you spend all of your gold on health care in those golden years. And it really is true. If the best is yet to come, we need to realize that our present condition is going to become more and more difficult. We can't get away from that. But Paul goes on to say we need to understand what happens when we die. Our spirit departs our bodies. This tent is only an outer shell for our spirit. At death, we see the body of the person. But this flesh and blood, that is not the person. It is just the outer body, it is the shell of the person. The person is the spirit and the personality that is in there. I remember one time being in a room at community hospice. I was with a family, um, and it was one of those unique situations. Excuse me, I didn't mean to hit my microphone. I was praying with a family, and in the midst of the prayer, we heard the person, he gasped, And I looked up, I opened my eyes during the prayer, and I saw that he had passed. He had breathed his last. I continued the prayer. We opened up our eyes, and the family said to me, look how different he looks. Yeah, because the Spirit is no longer there. But for a Christian, we often ask, what happens to the Spirit at death? Well, let me be a nerd for just a minute, because in Christian circles, there are, two, there are two schools of thought. Both seem to have spiritual backing, but remember, I believe these are opinions and are interpretations and are not doctrines. We can agree to disagree on either one of these today. One is that when we pass, our spirit goes to paradise and awaits the second coming of Jesus Christ and the day of judgment. And ultimately then at the second coming, we receive our reward of eternal life in heaven. There are two different words used for heaven and for paradise in the New Testament. Even Jesus, while he was on the cross on Good Friday, you remember the story, don't you? the thief that was beside him on the cross that he dialogued with, Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the first school. The second school is that upon death, the spirit goes directly to the presence of God. Paul kind of alludes to that in this text and in this passage. I think there are scriptural bases for this as well. Bob Russell, a retired minister in the Christian church that has been a a magnet of our churches for years, said it this way, when we die, our spirits go immediately to be with God. We're alert. We retain our personalities and we'll be joyful, but our external existence are not, not complete until the resurrection of our bodies. Paul talks a lot about this in the text. Paul talks about this nakedness that is around us in the text. It's an interesting note. The Greek word that is used for nakedness is the same Greek word that we would get our word gem from, this idea of struggle and growth and overcoming things. So what happens when a Christian dies? while well, we depart this earthly body, we either go to the immediate presence with God or we go into paradise. I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, we go to the presence of God and then at the return of Jesus, our bodies will be resurrected and we'll stand in judgment before God and we enter in to the perfect existence of eternity. My friends, there is hope beyond the groanings of this life. And we have a hope beyond today. And we need to recognize this. Paul tells us a third thing. He says that we need to eagerly anticipate eternal life. As we live in this earthly tent, we should look forward daily to the time when we have our complete dwelling. Paul talks about a tent That means temporary, but Paul also talks about a building in this text. And that Greek word for building means a fortified structure that cannot be destroyed. That's what we have to look forward to. Where my knees hurt no more where I bend down to pick something up and I throw my back out and I haven't even picked something up yet, just merely bending down hurts. That no longer is the case. Where we have clear minds and clear thoughts and clear bodies. That's what God has in store for us. Throughout the pages of the New Testament, God talks about heaven, and he talks about it in four ways. He talks about heaven and its permanence, that it is there forever. It is eternal. But he also talks about heaven as being perfection, that there is nothing wrong in heaven. But I also like how he talks about his people in heaven, that all of God's children will come together in the perfection of heaven and be there together. And then it talks about the praise, how when we gather in heaven, we will forever praise him. We need to look forward to that moment. You know, there are things about the pages of scripture that sometimes make me scratch my head. When I was younger and I read about looking forward to heaven, I thought, I got so much of life to look forward to. But the more I begin to realize, come Lord Jesus, come. What a day that will be when we no longer have to worry about the struggles of this earth and we can be with God for all of eternity. The fourth thing that I think Paul teaches us in this text, as followers of Christ, we can be confident of our salvation. I'll never forget about 25 years ago, I got to know a person. I baptized them. We sat together, and we talked, and we prayed together, and I spent time with this person. But this person struggled Because they had a past. And they said, God can't forgive me for my past. I said, oh yeah, he can. God can forgive you. And God has forgiven you. Not only has God forgiven you about your past, but God has forgotten about your past. You are his child, loved, and assured of his salvation. I got to see this person. She ran from God after that. I got to see her about 15, 20 years later as she was approaching death. She looked at me and she said, Brian, I finally understand what you meant. God has forgiven me. And I look forward to that moment that I can meet him face to face. God has given us a confidence. Christ has completed the task for us on the cross that no matter what we have done, when we are obedient to him and we walk with him, we have a hope beyond this life and we can be confident in that. We find confidence in our salvation because the war has been won and Christ was victorious in the end. We talk a lot about grief. We struggle with this issue and we wrestle with this issue of grief. But we also need to search for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. I want to challenge you to look inside your life and to look inside your heart. We don't do this very often, but I'm going to do it right now. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to know Him as your Lord and Savior. Without Him, all that I have talked about is non existent because you live in the earthly body and the earthly body will break down and the earthly body will bring separation. But when we have a hope in Christ, we have a God that loves us, that saves us and is there for us. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Father, as we approach this idea of grief, I pray that we will see the blessing of the earthly tent that is temporary, but of the heavenly building that has been prepared in its permanence and in its perfection for your people to praise you for all of eternity. Father, I ask that you Help each and every one of us to explore our hearts and minds and to draw closer to you. Lord, we love you and give you praise. In Christ's name we pray, amen.